in one day. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Book of Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter. We'll begin reading at verse number one. Amen. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle. Everyone say idle. idle. They were standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. Everyone say idle. idle. And he saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? idle. They said unto him, Because no man has hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning on this simple subject, being idle in the time of harvest. All right. Being idle in the time of harvest. We're living in some perilous times. Yes, it's really important that we all stay busy. Yes, sir. But not just busy, but busy for Jesus. Amen. Is that right? Yes, sir. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray, God, that you would use me today to speak and to minister to your people through truth, with grace, with mercy, in Jesus' name. And somebody shout, Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give him a great big God bless you. You. you may be seated. As most of you have probably heard by now, a parable was a form of story that Jesus used to explain heavenly things. Uh, he would take a concept from a well-known, common, earthly, natural thing to explain the things which are of God and the things which are of the kingdom of God. In this following parable, there is a man. This man is representative of God. And this man is the owner of a vineyard. And this vineyard produces very precious fruit. And every piece of his fruit is sensitive to time. It took time to grow it. It took time to wait for it to ripen. And if he does not gather it in on time, it will go to waste. From the man's perspective, there is always work to be done in his vineyard, but there's never enough people to do it. And so every day, this man wakes up and goes out looking for people to hire. In verse number six, this man finds a group of people who he could use in his vineyard and who from the looks of it could use a job. His invitation to come work for them is simple, at least on the surface. He asks them, why are you standing here idle all day long? If you don't know what the word idle means, the dictionary describes it this way, not active or in use not working or unemployed, absence of significant activity without purpose or effect, pointless. What this man who represents the Lord understands is that idleness causes problems for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
If there is no if there is work to be done, but no one who wants to do it, two things can happen. Number one, his precious vineyard will go to waste. Number two, the community where his vineyard is planted will go to waste too because senseless unemployment and crime go hand in hand. The more unemployment there is, the more people just standing by idly for whatever reason, the more crime will go up. The biblical attitude is that idleness never has positive effects. Furthermore, there are times when the negative effects of being idle can have worse effects than normal. The Bible is intentional in its efforts to communicate to us that staying busy, proactive, engaged, amen, and in the flow means everything. The Bible gives us an example of two men, Joseph and David. Both men were tempted to live immorally. Joseph resisted the urge while David caved in. What was the difference? Why did one man fall while the other man succeeded? Why did one man make it out while the other man fell? The answer is idleness. I want you to stop and consider the life of Joseph. Five times the scripture says uh, makes reference to the hand of Joseph. All five references are interconnected to his administrative powers, his keen managerial practices, and his shrewd stewardship. Needless to say, these are not the behaviors of an idle man. You can't be a good administrator, a good manager, a a shrewd steward, amen, just sitting around all day. People that are good with their money, people that are good with their time, people that know how to use their resources don't tend to just stand around idle. Joseph was never idle. Amen. And so when it came time for him to resist sin, there wasn't much of a problem because he was just too busy for that. Praise God. And all of us probably by now know the story. He was invited into uh, uh, an immoral relationship. Amen. With his with his owner's wife. And very quickly, Joseph just went running. Amen. Hallelujah. Out the room. Amen. But Joseph just quite frankly had no time for that. Amen. He was not going to make time for that. Joseph had places to go, people to see, money to make, things to do. Amen. Hallelujah. He knew that God was watching. Amen. Somebody shout amen. And he knew that standing around idle would have just got him in trouble. Amen. Now this is in sharp contrast to King David. Of course, King David is one of the most wonderful people we read about in the Bible, but he did not always behave so wonderfully. In 2 Samuel 11 and 1, David falls into great sin. And the scripture says it this way, at the time when kings go forth to battle, David tarried still. And that's just good old King James English for he was idle. Amen. David tarried still. David's stillness David's idleness in a season of war resulted in his sin. The Bible says there was a time. Everyone say time. time. There was a time when the kings went out to war. And David was out of pocket out of season, out of his lane, and out of the will of God. Everybody was doing outreach, David was at home. Everybody was at a Bible study, David was at home. Praise God. Everybody was praying and fasting, David was down at Red Robin. Praise God. Everybody was doing their thing for Jesus, David was chilling out. Amen. Is it a surprise then that when he was tempted to fall into an adulterous relationship, he didn't have the means, amen, to resist. Why? Because he was not 
not where he was supposed to be. He was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. Quite frankly, he wasn't doing anything. The Bible says he was just hanging out on the rooftop. Praise God. I came to challenge somebody today. Get off the rooftop and go to war. Praise God. And I'm going to serve notice on us this morning. Amen. We are in a time of battle. We are in a time of war. We are in a time of harvest. And now is not the time to be idle. Amen. God doesn't want any of us idle. Amen. And I know that some, I, 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 I don't mind saying this and I'll say this quite, amen, uh, confidently. I, I, I don't think that there are too many saints, amen, anywhere that are busier than the saints in the Bay Area. Praise God. Uh, God only knows what we have to go through to survive out here. God only knows what we have to go through uh, out here to pay a bill. But let me just say this, amen, no matter what we go through, no matter how busy we are, we must make time for God. And if you're too busy for God, you're just too busy. If you're too busy for God, you're just too busy. Amen. That's a busyness. Amen. That's going to just, it's not going to pay off in the end. And you're going to find yourself on the wrong rooftop on the wrong day. Amen. Doing the wrong thing. Looking in the wrong direction. Getting the wrong results. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Let's talk about Noah for a few minutes this morning. The ark saved Noah and his family from the flood. But it saved him in more ways than one. The ark itself saved Noah and his family from the rain. But being busy building the ark saved them from being influenced by the people that provoked God to send the flood. The ark gave them zero time to be idle. They were too busy to know the latest songs, fashions, forms of entertainment. They They were too busy. Noah's, Noah's, kid, Noah's kids didn't know the bridge to the latest song. Yep. They knew the sound of the hammer and the nail. There was probably days where a lot of people said, man, Noah, you work in those kids. They're just kids. It's getting quiet in here. Hallelujah. There was probably days when they told Noah, man, kids need to have a little bit of fun. They go to school all week and then you take them to church on Sunday. Come on now. But Noah's kids didn't know Noah's kids didn't know the latest trends. Noah's kids didn't know the latest songs. And I'll tell you what else Noah's kids didn't know. They didn't know the behaviors, the attitudes, right. amen, the immorality that caused God to say, I'm going to wipe humanity out. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Staying busy in the ark kept them saved. Yeah. Staying busy building in the ark, hallelujah, kept them dry. Praise God. Right. Staying busy. Amen. Don't you ever apologize to yourself, to your kids, or to anybody else for being involved in the work of God. Yeah. Amen. Pack them up, dress them up, and bring them on down to the house of God. Keep your children busy. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep your children busy. Praise God. In fact, the only time Noah's family is recorded as having trouble is after the ark was built. It was after the ark was built that they became idle. God told them, when you get off of this ark, in fact, it's amazing, God invokes the same blessing over Noah that he did over Adam, and he tells him, be fruitful, be multiply, replenish the earth, and what does Noah and his family do? They chill in just one spot, and before you know it, Noah remembers how to brew beer, praise God, and before you know it, Noah's sons, and Noah's, Noah's sons start remembering some of the old world ways. And that was the only time they got in trouble. 
That ark kept them out of trouble. That, that busyness kept them free from sin. Amen. I know, I know. Who here works three days a week? Four days a week? Who, who works five days a week? Six days a week? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to apologize. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of us, if we were not working, if we were not engaged in church, if we were not doing something, amen, you know as well as I do, your life would be going down the drain. Hallelujah. Some of us know, so you know better than I do, amen, what you would be doing if you had more free time. And I know some of you come home tired. I know some of you wake up tired. I know some of you go to work tired. Come back. I know you're tired is tired. Praise God. Hallelujah. But at least you're not in sin, and at least you're not on your way to hell. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. I want to talk to you just for a few seconds about nothing. <laughs> you know, uh, when we fit, you know, when, when we say the word nothing, a lot of people don't, don't a lot of people don't ever think about nothing too much. Right. Um, but you know, nothing comes in, in a variety of flavors. And uh, humans have developed some very sophisticated ways of doing nothing. Right. All of us, I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. Scrolling through Instagram is doing nothing. Scrolling through Facebook is doing nothing. It's a very sophisticated form of it. I know you want us to think that you're balancing your checkbook and texting somebody very important, but you're stalking. You're stalking somebody. We've developed some very sophisticated ways of doing nothing. Um, <laughs> I remember when I was younger, my mom would come home, and you know, I'd be home all day. And she would come home to a much messier house, amen, than, than she left. And uh, her first question to me was, what were you doing all day? Yeah. Nothing. And so immediately, she would put me to work. And she'd tell me to go take out the garbage. And I had discovered some very sophisticated ways of doing nothing. And I would take that garbage out, and it would take me forever. And I had figured out very keen, sophisticated, intelligent ways of doing nothing. Because I knew that the longer I could stall the more my mom would get done before I got back in the house. Yeah. If I could take the long route to take out the garbage, my mom will have cleaned half the house by that time. <laughs> so I figured out really good ways of doing nothing. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Nothing can cause a lot of problems. Yeah. And you don't want to get good at doing nothing. That's good. That's good. You don't want to figure out sophisticated ways of doing nothing. You don't want to figure out clever ways of missing church. You don't want, you don't want to go there. You don't want to figure out sophisticated ways of not praying. And, and telling yourself, God understands. God understands that you're doing nothing. Cleaning the house. Yeah. It's not going to help you as much as cleaning the house. And I'm not against a clean house. But we got a clean house. Mowing the lawn. 
we can all come up with very sophisticated ways of doing nothing. Yes, sir. You're right. Amen. Checking email. We, we, we've got to stay busy in the things of God. Somebody say amen. So let's talk a little bit about nothing. Let's talk a little bit about people in the Bible that had developed sophisticated ways of doing nothing. In Matthew chapter 25, which is known as the Olivet Discourse, and if you're not familiar with this, it is the sister or it is the book and companion, amen, of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, of course, comes early in Matthew, but as we reach the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus begins to talk about the last days. But in Matthew 25, Jesus begins to talk about the attitudes that people will have in the last days. Not sinners. No. But church folk. And he begins to talk about the attitude of people in the last days. And he addresses these attitudes through three parables. Parable number one, Jesus talks about ten virgins. Five were wise, five were otherwise. Praise God. And uh, there was a day when the marriage came. There was a day all these girls wanted to get married. All these girls had kept themselves pure. All these girls didn't run around with funny boys. All these girls, amen, were on church on Sunday. All these girls lived right, walked right, skirt length was right, amen. All these girls lived holy, dressed right. But there came a day when the, when the wedding was going to take place. There came a day when their opportunity to get married, the man of their dreams, showed up. But he showed up at night. He didn't show up, amen, when they expected. Now, five of those girls, every morning, regardless of what was going on, woke up, went down to the market, and bought some oil to put it in their lamps. Nobody would have ever thought getting married and not getting married was all going to be contingent on something such as a lamp. You know, most people, you, t- you, you talk to them about what do you think is going to determine whether you get married or not. They're not going to say, well, I just better make sure I pay my electric bill. Yeah. <laughs> but girl, don't pay your electric bill. And the day Mr. Rice shows up, you might not be able to curl your hair. <laughs> and Mr. Wright might just keep walking right on. That's right. And so there's little things that can... There's little... Big doors swing on little hinges. Uh Yes, sir. And so there was this little thing that five of the girls thought, this will never make a difference. But the other five said, oh, it'll make a big difference. Because if homeboy shows up at night, we won't see how to get to the wedding. We won't see how to get to where we got to go. And so every morning, they, they go down to the market, whether they knew he was coming or not. Amen. Whether they heard news or not. And they fill up those lamps with oil. And sure enough, the day came, the night came when the man showed up. And these girls said, let's go. They had their oils, they had their oil, their lamps trimmed and ready. They had the light that they needed to get them to the wedding. Amen. And the other five girls weren't ready. And they told the girls that were ready, sell us some of your oil. And those girls told the other girls, we can't sell this. We can't sell this. This is not transferable. You had to get this for yourself. You you had to be doing this every day. You had to be. But here's my question. Here's my question. If the five girls weren't getting oil, what were they doing? 
Uh, Nothing. If you weren't at the market getting your lamp filled, what were you doing? Nothing. Amen. And if you don't understand this parable and you've never heard anybody talk about it, I'll just give you a very quick understanding of it. That oil represents the Holy Spirit. That lamp represents you. And if you're not in church getting filled up with the Holy Ghost, where are you? What are you doing? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. If we're not praying, what are we doing? Like, what are we really doing? Praise God. What are we when it's all said and done? What are we really doing? If we're not busy in the kingdom, what are we really doing? Amen. I'm not saying that what you're doing doesn't have some effect on something and that might be important. But I'm asking you, what are you really doing? Amen. Hallelujah. Because that's what Jesus is going to ask. What were you really doing? Amen. That you were so busy, that you were so tied up. Amen. That you could not keep your lamp filled up with oil. And you know what the answer is going to be whether we like it or not? Nothing. I was doing a whole lot of nothing. Sophisticated, but it was still nothing. Jesus says, let me tell you another parable. Let me tell you a parable about three men. I gave three men amen, some money. I gave one man five talents. Another man two talents. I gave the last man one talent. He said, and I came back a few years later to find out what they had done with my money. And the man who I gave five talents to, he gave me back, amen, ten. And the man I had given two to, he gave me back four. And the man I gave one to gave me back my one. And so the other two guys went out to the banks, went out to the marketplaces, found where to invest their money, found what to do with it, got, got a little bit of interest on it. But there was one guy who did nothing. And not only, not only did he do nothing, he started talking crazy to the master. The master said, where is my return? He said, oh, I'll tell you where it is. He said, it's with the money changers and the exchangers. I don't got it. He said, I'll tell you why I don't got it. Because I know that you're mean. You, you preach like this to some people and they're thinking, pastor's mean. He don't know. He don't know how important my nothing is. Don't tell me how to manage my nothing. Who are you? I'm the man of God. Praise God. You may not like that. You may not even believe that. You'll find out. Praise God. I'm I'm telling you right now, you you can't just sit back and do nothing. And and, and you can't get crazy with God. He told the Lord, he said, I know that you're mean. I know that you're hard. And I just wasn't going to do it. I'm afraid of you. And the Lord said, talking like that, you ain't afraid of me. He said, because had you been afraid, you actually would have motivated and done something. That's right. right. He said, you don't fear me. You don't fear anything. But you're about to find out. That's right. And so my question is, if you weren't at the bank, if you weren't investing, if you weren't getting interest back on what God gave you, what were you doing? Nothing. Nothing. You were doing nothing. Somebody say praise the Lord. You got to give back returns on what God gave you. God is not going to come back. Let me tell you something about the five and the two guy. You know what the scripture doesn't say? That they never lost nothing. You know, anybody here has ever done any kind of investments. Any kind of, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if, if I can put a little bit of money into this, see what I give. You know, there's times you lose. There's times you're expecting to get ten back, but you only got three back. 
You might have not lost your original investment, but you didn't get back what you thought. And, and, and let me just be very frank with you. When you get out there and you get busy for God, there's days you won't get the returns you want. Sure. There's days you're going to come home dog tired. There's days you're going to be like, man, we were there all day. Man, that was a long drive. Man, I thought for sure God was going to heal my toe. I went all fired up, came back broke, toe still hurts. But at least you weren't doing nothing. At least you weren't hanging out at the house while the rest of the church was doing something. At least you weren't on the rooftop. And you know what? I'd rather not get my returns than lose it all. We're almost done. I know this might seem harsh, but it's going to get worse. The last parable Jesus gives us is of a shepherd, sheep, and goats. And the final judgment, Jesus says, when it's all said and done and the world is over, I'm going to judge the sheep and the goats. He said, the sheep I'm going to put at my right hand and the goats at my left hand. He said, the sheep I'm going to bless and reward. He said, the goats I'm going to punish. Jesus tells the sheep why they're going to be rewarded. Because the sheep don't know why they're being rewarded. And Jesus tells them, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked, I was a stranger, I was sick, and I was in prison, and you ministered to me. I want you to notice that Jesus listed six things that these sheep did. These were busy sheep. They had something to keep them busy Monday through Saturday. On Monday, when people were hungry, they fed them. On Tuesday, when people were thirsty, they gave them something to drink. On Wednesday, when people were naked, they clothed them. On Thursday, when they found strangers, they took them in. On Friday, when there were sick people, they visited them. On Saturday, when there was people in prison, they came to them. What did the sheep do on Sunday? They worshiped the good shepherd. (laughs) But the one thing the sheep were not was idle. The sheep did something. The sheep got to work. The sheep sheep went out. They they ministered to people. They did not just assume that they were going to get in for being sheep. That's good. Somebody say praise the Lord. I'm almost done. Jesus was repeatedly criticized for ministering on the Sabbath day. There was days when Jesus would go into the synagogue, heal the sick, and people would get mad. He would say, you cannot heal on the Sabbath day. This is a day when you're supposed to do nothing. And I can't help but to think that Jesus must have thought to himself several times, had you guys been doing what you were supposed to be doing Monday through through Friday, I wouldn't have to heal somebody on Saturday. But you guys don't do nothing. And so you leave me with all the work. And so I'm going to step into the synagogue and I'm going to heal. Because there's a lot of people doing sophisticated forms of nothing. And as far as God is concerned, the job must get done. And I close with this. 
There's a very interesting parable that Jesus gives. And uh, he talks about a wedding. And he actually gives us instructions on how to behave ourselves at special events. He said, when you are invited to a special event, do not choose the best seat in the house. Like, don't assume you are the honorary guest. He specifically says, choose the worst seat in the house. He said, because what's going to happen is you're going to come in thinking you're high and mighty, only to find out there's somebody higher and mighty than you. And you're going to, you know, the way pride works, it just makes you dumb. Pride just makes you dumb. Pride just gets you in somebody else's seat. And he says, you're going to find out real quick that there's somebody above you. Somebody more preferred than you. Somebody more honored than you. And the master of the wedding is going to come and tell you, you are in the wrong seat, sir. I've actually, I travel a lot. This is why I fly Southwest, because there is no assigned seating. But I know what it is. I know what it is to take other airlines and sit in the wrong seat. And it's embarrassing. You think 16C is that big cushy seat in the front. It's that seat way in the back. <laughs> you were in the A section, sir. <laughs> and now everybody's got to wait for you to get into your seat in the middle. <laughs> in the back. And that's embarrassing. And Jesus says, but let me tell you something else that will get you in trouble. He says, it's better that the master, that the, the host tell you, find you in the worst seat and say, hey, friend, specifically says this, this is the actual language. Hey, friend, come sit over here at the table. Can I tell you that you will get in as much trouble for not sitting at the table as you will for sitting at the wrong table? When, when, an, when, it, when, a get, when a host, when an honorary host tells you, come sit down right here, you better go. Because yeah. yeah. that may be your last gig. Yeah. That may be the last. I'm telling you, there's something about people of dignity and honor and riches and wealth and strength and power. That if they ask you to do something, you do good just to do it. Yes. If you understand where you're at. And so can I tell you that all of us here are being invited to sit at a higher table. Amen. All of us here, God is saying, why don't you come sit up here with all the soul winners? Why don't you come sit up here with all the people that thought they would never have a ministry, but they turned it around and they have a ministry? Why don't you come sit up here with the sheep? Why don't you get out of the goat fold and come up here to the sheep fold? Praise God. Why don't you come out of here? Why don't you come up and do something? Praise God. I'm inviting you to step out of the nothingness. I'm inviting you to come out of the sophisticated forms of doing nothing and sit at the table with the people that are doing something. Praise God. I'm inviting you, amen, to be part of end time revival. I'm inviting you to be part, amen, hallelujah, of a glorious, powerful church. Praise God. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm going to tell you this. It is an honor 
it is an honor to be invited to the Lord's vineyard. It is an honor to be invited to work. It is, it is an honor, amen, to be invited to sit at the table. In fact, Jesus later on will tell the men that criticize them so often. He says, but I tell you that harlots and sinners and publicans will sit at the table with Abraham and Isaac before y'all. He said, because you looked apart, but you do nothing. He said, and I found me this, I found me this little girl over here who don't think much of herself. She always takes the worst seat in the house because she knows what she's done. She knows how she's lived. But she'll do what I tell her. She listens just as much to me as she used to to the devil. Let me tell you about this young man that I have in my house who gave himself over to evil day after day, but now you can't keep him out of the house of God. There's days he's there just because he feels tempted, but he's there. There's days he's doing... There's days he's fixing the corkboard at the church. But he, he'd rather do that, amen, than be on the rooftop. He obeys, he listens, he's busy. Amen. I want to sit at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I want to sit at the table with great men of God. And I'll be the first to tell you I don't feel I'm worthy. Amen. Hallelujah. But I'm going to obey God. And I'm going to come out of the goat fold. And I'm going to go into the sheep fold. Praise God. And I'm going to honor my my host. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on. Let's lift our hands and pray right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. The old saying goes that an idle mind is the devil's playground. Idle, hallelujah. I want us to pray right now. God, don't let me be idle. Hallelujah. God, don't let me just do nothing. Hallelujah. Don't let me tell myself I'm doing something, God, when I'm really doing nothing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. You're being invited to sit at the table today being invited to come to the front of the line today. You're being invited to sit with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob today. Hallelujah. You're being invited, hallelujah, to sit, hallelujah, in an esteemed, preferred, blessed place today. Hallelujah, Jesus.